Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle, and on today's episode, we are diving deeper into NFL futures and win totals. I am joined by Alex Cohen, who was here last week to break down the Deshaun Watson suspension and all things futures bets related to the Cleveland Browns. Instead of talking about one team today, like we did last week, we are going to extrapolate that conversation to the entire NFL. I start off by asking Alex, which early training camp headline does he think is actually noteworthy and is worth discussing? And then we talked about our best bets for win totals, which team that did not make the playoffs last year that we expect to make the playoffs this year, and one long shot play with crazy long odds that we think is worth putting a few shekels down in hopes that they bring back some big bucks later on. We are officially less than a month away from football season. This is incredibly excited. I am rearing to go for this Bills-Rams Thursday night, September 8th. Today is Tuesday, August 9th. The countdown is on. We are less than a month away. And I am very excited to be giving out bets, talking DFS, and a whole host of other topics for sports ethos around the football season. Please, if you haven't already, follow me on Twitter, at mfiddle14. And please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. And here it is, me and Alex. All right, welcome back. I'm now joined by Alex. Alex, I appreciate you coming back for the second time. You were a big hit on the first episode. I got a lot of positive feedback. So I'm happy to have you back. And instead of talking about the Cleveland Browns, we are extrapolating this conversation to the rest of the NFL. How are you doing today? What's up? Dude, I cannot wait to talk more football. We are on the precipice of football. I've kind of been able to give myself a docile time between February and you know August, but we're in August right now. We're in training camp. I literally cannot wait. Let's talk some football. Yeah, I said on the open, football starts September 8th. We are recording this on Tuesday, August 9th, so we are officially less than one month from the NFL. Alex, last time we were talking, we spent a long time talking about Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns, and that quarterback drama, kind of that headline that's leading the NFL offseason. It's still probably the biggest story in football right now, the appeals process that's going on. But we're also getting some news and notes on some other quarterbacks from other training camps. So I wanted to throw a few stories at you before we get to start talking about some bets. Tell me which of these stories from early training camp reports do you think are the most significant and may actually impact football in September? Or are these just, you know, training camp notes that really mean nothing? In Carolina, we have Baker seeming to be winning the job over Darnold. In Tampa Bay, we have Tom Brady just lost his center, Ryan Jensen, and the whole O-line is shifting around, trading positions, trying to figure out where they're going to line up. In Pittsburgh, Mason Rudolph is apparently the best quarterback in the, on the Steelers. Trubisky is still the listed starter, but all the beats are saying that he is really struggling. 
And in San Francisco, Trey Lance has been anointed the guy. Jimmy G has been told to work on his own and not with the team. So apparently Jimmy is showing up to camp, working on his own on the side, and then being sent home. Which of these stories do you think are actually relevant to football once the season starts? Oh, first of all, I just love that we got like football drama going on and we got you know the headlines bumping. So real quick, I'll touch on all three first. You know, I have people that will back me up. I actually thought Trey Lance was the best quarterback coming out last year. He would have been my number one overall pick over Lawrence or Wilson. So, you know, I think that that was just a matter of time from learning its NFL system. When it comes to Carolina, they're just irrelevant. Whoever it is, Baker or Donald, Matt Rule is a fool. They are all going to fail no matter who the starter is. So who cares there? The most interesting storyline is the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is a great team by the bones and by the coach. And if you listened to me last week, you understand how much I think a coach is important to success in the NFL. And Mike Tomlin wins games. He has a team that always has a roster and always figures out how to win based on game plan and discipline. And look, I understand that the beat reports coming out are that Mason Rudolph is doing better because he probably is more familiar within the system. But I have to think, and I mentioned this last week as well, that even though preseason means absolutely nothing, Mitch showed me some things within Dables and the Bills system, filling in for Josh Allen during those first two and fourth week preseason games, that I think that he can run a system, and while he learns with his athleticism and having gone through the ringer, that he's going to come out on top, and that Steelers team is going to be more dangerous than people think. And, you know, he, like I said, it's tough coming out being somebody from – UNC, ACC, you know, 21 when he got drafted, or 22, whatever it might be. But I really do think that once he gets more experience over the next month in the system, that he will come out on top, and that Steelers team will probably be formidable within the AFC. I'm kind of with you, Colin. I, too, think Trubisky is eventually going to be the week one starter and is not a half-bad quarterback in the NFL. He's probably – he's you know, below average starting quarterback, but he's still young. He's mobile. He's athletic. He can do a lot. He's got room to grow. He's didn't start out in the best system in Chicago. Then he, you know, had an uptick in bills and we'll see what he could do with Pittsburgh. But let's extrapolate this conversation. I keep using that word to the rest of the NFL. We gave out, I gave out the over for the Browns win total. You gave out the under. What is your best bet on the board? If I wasn't going to tell you which team to talk about, tell me which team you would like to talk about. Yeah, so there was a couple that I liked, but I, I, ended, I ended up really settling on the, on the Cardinals. Like, I am not a huge fan of Kyler Murray, but at the end of the day, he wins games, and the Cardinals are a pretty good team. You know, I think I had them at eight and a half, and I just don't see them going under that number in a uh, in an 18 game schedule. Like the Seahawks are locked into two wins. I think they split with San Francisco. They might split with Los Angeles. Rams probably 0 and 2. I I don't know. I just see them not. I don't see Kyler Murray winning less than nine games. So that's really why I have them going over eight and a half. 
So that's such a tricky line. I'm going to push back on you a little bit, Alex, because I know when that line opened at nine and a half, I believe, it was bet so heavily that it was pushed down to eight and a half. I know the sharp started pounding the Cardinals under when this line first came out. And now it's juiced to the under. It's like it's moved down to eight and a half. It's still being bet towards the under. The Cardinals technically have the 24th hardest schedule entering this year. They have DeAndre Hopkins suspended for six games. They have uh, a lot of question marks in Kyler Murray in whether or not he's a true winner, if he's just all talent, if he's going to study his off-field stuff or just be playing video games. I'm not saying I'm on the under and I'm opposed to you, Alex. I'm just saying I also asked for you to go with one team that you would stay away from. And the other indicators for me, besides the car, like besides the line being eight and a half and it just being like, wait, this team has won more than that for three years in a row. They've continued to improve every year. They're bringing back the quarterback. They're bringing back the head coach. They re-signed the general manager. There's a lot of continuity in the building. They brought in Hollywood Brown. A guy like Rondell Moore should be a little bit better. They lost Christian Kirk, but they held on to James Conner. Like, they have a lot of really good pieces and a lot of reasons why, you know, they should be a winning team. But there are these factors, like, when the professional gamblers come in and pound the under and the line moves so sharply... It's very alarming to me, and that's why it's a stay away from me. You mentioned that you had another one. Who's your second one that you like the win total on? Well, I I definitely like the Cardinals the most, but if I had to go with another one, it would probably actually be, and I really hate myself for saying this, the Raiders. And people are going to say, you know, their their division is super tough, and, and, you know, they got to play all these great teams twice a year. But, you know, Derek Carr has been a great quarterback, and now he's got a familiar piece that they have chemistry with. And I don't know if you guys follow, like, all of the social media NFL stuff going on. These guys are really good friends. They're, they're, it's not just some kind of farce that they played at Fresno State together. They are actually boys, and this Raiders roster is ready to rock. And I think I have them, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, is it, is it eight and a half or nine and a half? I have eight and a half. Raiders is eight and a half. So listen, at at eight and a half, I'm looking at nine to ten wins. You know, Josh McDaniels is a huge piece. He knows how to run a team. Let's forget about, you know, Spygate, Denver, you know, what is it, like 12 years ago now? He's matured from there. You know, he put Matt Jones in a position to be an absolutely better quarterback than I think he's going to be going forward. So, and I think you also maybe might have asked me, you know, what's a team that I think would underperform? I think I also have the Patriots at eight and a half. Give me the under there all day as well. I think that the Brady lore is going to wear off. Bill Belichick's roster is not where it should be. Mac Jones does not have Josh McDaniels anyway. So to kind of, you know, combine both of those two points, Josh McDaniels with the Raiders and Josh McDaniels not being on the Patriots, Give me the Raiders over and the Patriots under. So, Cohen, I am in lockstep with you that we should be playing the Patriots under. We should be playing the Patriots under for sure. 
they have been reports that they have two defensive coordinators running their offense, that Mac Jones is struggling, that he's not happy with the adjusted run game, that eventually Bill Belichick is going to spend a lot of his time with the offense this season, which just means the defense is probably not going to be up to its usual New England standard. Combined with this being such a young team, uh, with a lot of new faces in the building, with a lot of new faces on the staff, returning faces to the staff. I'm on the under there as well. I think that's a no-brainer considering the Bills are the best team in the NFL. The Dolphins are improved. The Jets are improved. So not only are the Patriots getting a little weaker, their entire division is continuing to strengthen around them, and that's just going to make each win a bit more difficult. Um you, t- you mentioned the Raiders. Now, I do think the Raiders are just a really good team, and I do like their 8.5 over, especially at the minus 110. I don't know if I'm ready to play it simply because of how tough that division is. It's more of a situation where if I like the Raiders on the over, I might just play them in individual games and go from there. Alex, can I give you my two best bets on the win totals? All right, my number one is the Bears under six and a half. This is juiced to the under, minus 145. I think it is an absolute slam spot. There's no way Justin Fields is winning seven games this year. This team is atrocious. They have turmoil with their city, with their stadium, uh, with their practice facility that they're building somewhere else. They have new faces all over. They're playing their David Montgomery, one of their best players. They're saying that he's going to be limited snaps and splitting with Khalil Herbert simply because they don't want to wear him into the ground. Ergo, they're saying we know we're going to suck and we don't want to run our best player and one of our vets into the ground on a no-win team. So I love, love, love the Bears under. I think that should be priced closer to five and a half or four and a half wins, and it is at six and a half. So that is a no-brainer to absolutely smash the under. And the other one I originally put down was the Rams over ten and a half. Now, the whole Stafford elbow certainly concerns me, but I think their division also got worse. I think the Seahawks are potentially one of the worst teams in the NFL when last year they had Russ, DK, Lockett coming into the season And we're expected to be really good. I think the 49ers, Trey Lance, rookie quarterback, have a chance to take a step back. Even though Jimmy G wasn't the best, they still reached the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl the last two years. I don't know if the 49ers are going to be as good. And the Cardinals, which you're on, but as I said, there are a lot of indicators to play it under. So for those reasons, I like the Rams over. Given the recent Stafford elbow news... It's a little hesitant. I still think I am confident enough to play the Rams over 10.5. So those would be my two bets, Alex. Bears under 6.5 as an absolute smash spot. And Rams over 10.5 as a standard play. Yeah, Mike, I'll be honest. As you were talking about that, I was going to the Bears schedule. And I couldn't come up. You know, I, I saw like five wins. And I couldn't come up with more than six wins. So if it's six and a half, then I'm 100% with you that that's a smash spot. Because okay. I, I love that you said that. This segues me perfectly into my next topic, 
which was I asked you for one long shot, and I'm going to give you mine before I ask you yours because it relates to actually how difficult the Chicago Bears schedule really is. The Chicago Bears play the Texans early on, but besides that, their schedule is daunting. And if you look at the, you know, Texans also have Davis Mills, kind of a young quarterback like Justin Fields. That's really the game that the uh, Bears need to win. Otherwise, they might start out really, really like taking L after L after L after L. So I went through their schedule, and I know this is a crazy, crazy long shot, but one of my bets is first win for the Bears to be week 12 against the Jets. It's 12,000 to 1 odds. You bet 100 and you will win $12,000. I'm not saying put a full unit on it, but it's the idea of just lay a few shekels because if that hits, that would be absolutely absurd. Even if they start out like 0 and 8, 0 and 9, 0, like we could start hammering the Bears' money line every game and you would lock in a big profit by doing that. All right. I, I, I will say this. Listen, I will say this. I love it because it's super, you know, out there. But look, besides the te- Texans, there's also the Giants. I could see them being the Giants. I know you're a huge Giants fan, but they might be the Giants. Then I also see Detroit. I could see them winning that game. Then I see the Falcons. I mean, that's three games that they could potentially win. But as a long shot bet, you know, <laughs> and Matt Nagy, who I absolutely think is garbage, I-, I love it. I love it. But those are three games that I think they could easily win. Do you have a long shot that you want to give out to us? So, you know, I really don't have as much of a long shot as that comparatively. But what I will say is this, and it goes back into the Mish thing. I do think the Steelers and Mike Tomlin are a great team. And the Steelers right now are like, I think, plus 330 to make the playoffs. If you want to, you know, just bet on a team that's probably going to be there till the end to make the playoffs Probably not win the division, obviously, between the Bengals and the Ravens. But to be in there over the Dolphins or what have you, the Patriots, who I don't think will be there, you know, in a wild card spot, I would trust in the Steelers logo and Mike Tomlin and then also going forward Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph in that defense and Najee Harris to make the playoffs. So. You know, that's not really a long, long shot, but, you know, maybe I'll have something going forward. Okay. The last question I had for you, Alex, was kind of this concept in the NFL, very different than the NBA. In the NBA, you get eight playoff teams in each conference and pretty much six to the same every year. In the NFL, it's very different. There's a ton of parity between playoff teams. There, are, there have been seasons, I think two years ago, when Brady switched from New England to Tampa and then won the Super Bowl with the Bucs. There was only one single playoff team that made it the previous year to make it the following. So, looking at the playoff teams that made it last year, or rather looking at the teams that did not make the playoffs last year, where do you think there might be value in betting one of these teams to reach the playoffs this year? All right, I, I, the, the, the term lock is thrown out a lot, right? So, like, I don't want to say lock, but I will tell you this. The Broncos with Russell Wilson are going to be an extremely competitive, great 
potentially Super Bowl contending team. This is a team that did not make the playoffs last year, and they will be making the playoffs this year. And there might be some conflicting info on some of the you know reasonings I've given, whether it was the Raiders or um, some of the other stuff I talked about within the AFC in terms of being able to make a wild card. But I will tell you this. The Broncos will be in the playoffs next year. Russell Wilson, as much of a fool he makes himself sometimes in terms of social media or whatnot, he is one of the best winning and productive quarterbacks all around, whether it's in or outside the locker room and on the field. And this is a guy who needs another Super Bowl to really cement his legacy to get into Canton. And this Broncos roster, if you really look into it deeply, is absolutely incredible. And they needed this type of a quarterback to take him to the next level. And this is a guy who gave his heart and soul to Seattle. And he wouldn't leave unless he knew that this is a football team that he could take to potentially the next level. So I'm looking at the Broncos not only to make the playoffs, but to be that team that, you know, in week 10 we're talking about, wow, is this a Super Bowl contender? I actually really like that play. And I think there is some decent value in the betting market. I just looked it up. They have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL this year after the 17th last year. And, of course, they bring in Russell Wilson to replace Drew Locke. They have a ton of ready-made pieces around Wilson. Like you said, that's the reason why he chose the team in the first place. So I also agree with you. Broncos, I think, will make the playoffs this year. They are in that daunting Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos position. Alex, listening to all of your points, I know you said you liked the Cardinals over the most and you liked the Broncos to make the playoffs. And you also, I kind of forced you into talking about the Raiders. Uh, given that the Raiders and the Broncos are in the same division, would you lean more towards playing the Raiders over or the Broncos to make the playoffs? Because it seems like you would only want to play one of those spots, right? 100%. And Mike, that's actually a great question. And it comes down to what is the value when it comes to coaching or quarterback, right? So with the Raiders, you're getting an upgraded roster with a new coach. And then with the Broncos, you're getting an upgraded roster with a new quarterback. So it really is a super difficult question. Um, off the top of my head, I'm going to go with the quarterback, Russell Wilson. The Raiders are super flashy. And it's, like I said, it's a new coaching situation. It's really a great question, Mike. I would lean Broncos. I am a Russell Wilson believer. I think that he understands where his spot in legacy depends on in these next two to three years with the roster that the Broncos have. So, honestly, I'll reiterate it again. That is a great question, but I'm going to lean Broncos, and I don't have much faith in that answer. <laughs> I agree. I would go Broncos over Raiders as well. I would, you know, Broncos have a new coach too, in Nathaniel Hackett. But I do think that Rust is going to be a huge boon because again, that team was ready to go, and then they brought in a guy who's like a potential league MVP. So it's different than bringing in a guy who used to be a coach and bringing in a new receiver. I think the implant. I think we looked last year, right? You talk about the Broncos to make the Super Bowl. Let's look at the last two seasons. We had Matt Stafford implanted to the Rams, ready-made team, Super Bowl. We had the year before that, Tom Brady implanted to the Bucks, ready-made team, Super Bowl. So if we are looking at that mold, 
maybe it is the Broncos this year. And so taking them to make the playoffs, even though it's a minus 140, still probably holds some value. Um, Alex, my team. You're making some really good points there. And, and listen, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I just want the listeners to know that, you know, I know that Hackett's a new coach too, but at the end of the day, Russ is the one who's going to run that offense. Carr and McDaniels is a completely different dynamic. Who's the alpha dog there, right? When it comes to the Broncos, we know that Russ is going to be the one that's actually making the calls on the field at the end of the day. When Carr and McDaniels, who are two alpha dogs, proven people that have produced in the NFL, they're going to have some growing pains there that I think the Broncos won't have. And that's kind of the kicker of why I think the Broncos get the edge over the Raiders. But again, I think that's an absolutely great question and, and it's super something to think about. Okay, I got one more hopefully great question for you. It's about the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I think we both feel that the Seattle Seahawks might be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. Am I correct in saying that? Okay, their win total is sitting at six and a half. Now, I don't see any world where they win seven games. I also, based on the line, don't see any value in betting the under because of how juiced the line is. Now, my question for you, Alex, is, is that such a fishy line? Like, why in the world is the Seahawks being given a six and a half line and I actually think there might be value in betting the money line for the Seahawks every single week because they are overpriced in a win total, but they are going to be faded by everyone on a week-to-week basis who's playing parlays, who's putting money lines for their other teams in parlays, who's playing teasers to get uh, past the three or the seven threshold number. So they're game-by-game number is going to be inflated towards a loss while their win total is inflated towards wins. So I'm over here thinking, wait a second. I might just play the money line in every single Seahawks game because if they end up winning six or seven of them, I'm going to end up being net profitable. How do you feel about that kind of gambling thought process? I mean, look... I, you know that, and we'll get more into this during the season, but, you know, that is something to me that is not really something I like to get into on a preseason basis and say, hey, you know, I'm going to make a set amount bet on these teams going forward because just so much can happen throughout the season that I don't want to make a game plan uh, based off of, you know, a projected type of win total. Um, I personally just checked FanDuel. I had them at five and a half which is where I think they should be, and that's when it gets sketchy on taking the under and over. But if you can get them at 6.5 over under, I'm totally with you on taking the under there. This is going to be one of the weirder teams in the NFL. They're probably going to go 0-6 in the division if I had to guess, and I could also see them losing some games on the road and just not having direction and not having quarterbacks. So um, I'm kind of with you there, but at the same time, you know, if it's 6.5, I'm really not going to uh, go too hard on them, even though I do think they and the Falcons are probably the worst, and the Lions potentially too, are the worst teams in the NFL. 
Sometimes I see these lines, Alex, and the same way with the Cardinals at eight and a half. I just see this, the the Seahawks at six and a half, and I think that is so fishy. Like there's something so weird about that that I don't want to touch it. They're always right. So if I think the win total leans too high, but I don't want to touch it, I also want to play the money lines of the Seahawks. I get what you're saying, that you don't want to pre-plan playing a week four Seahawks win. But I'm telling you that if all things stay equal without major injuries or major news, I will be playing the Seahawks week four win. And I do think that Vegas is saying, hey, guys, Geno Smith is better than you guys think. And this team's going to run the ball pretty damn well. And they're going to have a pretty good defense and a solid home field advantage. And they're going to win some games. Hey, listen, I, I don't disagree with that logic at all. I'm talking about from a personal perspective. But at the same time, if that's your belief and you believe in it and you're sticking to your, you know, your guns and your strategy – that is not the wrong way to go at all. So I'm with you 100%, but personally for me, that's not the way I go. I think it's going to be a super up and down and weird season for the Seahawks, and I'm just not ready to throw all my chips into to be able to predict their wins going forward. So Alex, to wrap up this conversation, you are on the Broncos to make the playoffs, the Cardinals over on the win total, and you also like, as a log shot, not as big of a bet as the other one, but worth a small play, the Steelers at a plus 330 to make the playoff. Whereas I am pounding the other, the under on the Bears. I am hitting the over on the Rams. And we're going with a crazy, crazy long shot for the 0-11 Bears to beat the Jets in Week 12. We were also both on the Patriots under 8.5. Yes. That get everything? I, 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 yes, everything of that was correct. I will kind of now, just having had this conversation, I will say that I think that your Bears under pick is a great pick. I think that our Patriots under pick is a great pick. I think that my Cardinals over pick is a great pick. And I will also say that my long shot Steelers pick, there's just so much that can happen in the AFC. Uh, north that I wouldn't go too heavy on that, but your Bears and our Patriots pick and my Cardinals overpick are things that I definitely love. I think we are in agreement on a lot of things, and we will continue to discuss lines in the next coming weeks. Alex, I think next week we are going to discuss NFL MVP and various award races. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited, man. Inject football into my veins. This is this is football season, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you for being here, and we'll talk soon.